This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Thanks to Hooked on Phonics for supporting Made for This. Hooked on Phonics helps kids learn to read with their unique process of using hands-on learning materials shipped to your home every month in combination with a digital reading app. To get your first month for just $1, go to hookedonphonics.com slash made for this. I'm really glad that you are listening to today's episode and I'm not going to lie. When I first listened to this interview, I got really choked up because it is a very special guest today that you guys get to hear from that are dear, dear friends of mine from when I lived in Uganda, gosh, nearly a, a decade ago. Now I met Carl and Julie when I was living in Gulu, Uganda, and they were working in the same area I was, but also up in South Sudan. They're both psychotherapists and they have worked for a long time with people who have endured just some of the world's most awful conflict and trauma. Carl and Julie's organization called Tutapona leads individuals affected by war or conflict to emotional recovery. So they're a Christ-centered organization. It's one of the most favorite things I love about them. In the last 12 years or so, they have been able to support more than 50,000 people in their journey to emotional recovery. So after this, you are for sure going to want to learn more about Tutapona. So hang on to the end. I'll tell you more when the conversation's over. But in the meantime, I can't wait for you to listen. Here is Jenny with my dear friends, Carl and Julie Gady. Carl and Julie, thank you so much for being here today. It's our pleasure. We're excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Why don't we start with just a little bit about your story? What is your background and how did you actually enter into this work? Sure. Sounds great. Yeah, we never set out to do this uh, initially. We were, uh, both of us, we loved Jesus and we wanted to serve him, but felt like we were going to do that here in America. So we both studied social work, got our our bachelor's degrees in social work. And then we actually went to graduate school together and got our MSWs uh, together. And we just started the work of trying to love people, serve people. And through doing that, our work became more and more clinical. So we ended up becoming psychotherapists and we had a private practice doing individual and marriage and family counseling. Uh, We had a private practice because we wanted to be able to have it be gospel centered, be able to bring Christ into it. And that worked out really well. I also had a job at an outpatient mental health clinic run by the county where we live. And so, you know, we had a good life. We had a nice house and a couple of nice cars, two beautiful daughters, a good job uh, with retirement and health insurance and all of those things that we find so important here. And then all of a sudden, God just broke our hearts. He just he just invaded that little bubble that we had and showed us about a situation that was happening in Northern Uganda at the time between a rebel group called the LRA or Lord's resistance army. And this was just unlike anything else we had ever heard of. For some reason, all of the stuff that's going on around the world, uh, this broke through that we were able to see just some of the hurt and pain that people were experiencing there that felt so profound. It felt different than anything else we had heard of. You know, all war 
is terrible and uh, leaves a lot of devastation in its wake. But for us hearing about what was happening in northern Uganda with child soldiers, children, kind of seven or eight, being abducted from their homes and taken to captivity, the boys mm. being used as child soldiers, and the girls being used as sex slaves or wives for the commanders. It just really broke our hearts what was happening. And we knew that once we heard about this, now that we knew about it, we couldn't just return to life as normal. We couldn't just bury our heads in the sand and pretend that we didn't know. But we didn't know what that meant. We knew God was calling us to get involved, but didn't know if that just meant that we would give money to an organization that was doing good work or what that would mean. And so I made a trip there in 2006 for the first time. And 2007, I took Julie back there. And 2008, we sold everything that we had and we uh, moved our family with our two young girls. Uh, they were eight and four at the time, our two daughters. And we moved to Gulu in Northern Uganda that really felt like the epicenter of where this trauma was occurring. And really, we just felt like we didn't have anything to offer. I felt like, God, I, I don't know how to do anything, but you've given us this experience, this education, and this skills to do trauma counseling. So if you mm. can do that, then here, it's yours. And so it felt like from that moment, God just opened doors, one after the other. And pretty soon we found ourselves in Gulu, Northern Uganda, training up a team of local staff that could carry out this work in their own language, with their own people, and in their own culture. And from the very beginning, we felt like there are a lot of needs there in Northern Uganda. There's a lot of important work that needs to take place. But God has called us to do this one thing. Mm. We're going to do this one thing with excellence. We're going to do it to the best of our abilities, and we're going to hone in on this and this is the piece that God has given us to do. And he's given other organizations and other people, other pieces of this, but we don't have to do everything. We're going to do this one thing and we're going to do it for God's glory to the best of our abilities. So we started in Northern Uganda in Gulu and we reached out into 90% of the population of Northern Uganda were displaced from their homes at that time. And the UN was calling this the world's worst unattended humanitarian crisis. And so we went right there to the center of it. But with 90% of the population displaced, we could go an hour to two hours outside of Gulu and be in these IDP camps or internally displaced people camps. And people were congregated there. And it was a, a perfect opportunity for us to bring the gospel and bring the love of Christ through trauma counseling into a group that is captive audience there in the IDP camps. So as we would go in, people would gather and we, we would start our programs of mental health and psychosocial support. So that's really where we started. And then God opened up the doors as uh, things calmed down in northern Uganda. It really became a place hosting refugees. And so right now, Uganda is the third largest host of refugees uh, around the world, even though it's a small country. So there's refugees from South Sudan and Congo and Rwanda, Burundi. They're all flooding into Uganda. And so we have offices now strategically located around the country, providing mental health and psychosocial supports. And then in 2016, our family also felt like God was calling us to not just work in Uganda or even in Africa, 
but that there's war and conflict all over the world. And at that time, the UN was calling the crisis in the Middle East with ISIS the world's worst uh, humanitarian crisis. And so we felt God calling us to establish an office in the Middle East. And so God opened up the doors for our family to once again sell everything and move to northern Iraq and start the first office of Tutapona in the Middle East. Wow. Briefly, that's a little bit about how we got started and what God has called us to do. I mean, it's overwhelming because you're talking about the most traumatized people in the world. And yet this is, for many of them, they probably don't even realize it because if you as a young boy are brought into an army, you don't even have a context of another life. You don't know even what normal life is. How do you even begin when the trauma is so severe and people are walking out of such horrific circumstances? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, we don't even really use the word trauma because as you said, they don't see themselves as traumatized. You know, if we went into a community and said, okay, we're here to do trauma counseling, you know, come here if you're traumatized, people would be like, well, go talk to this guy over here. That guy is really bad. But for me, like, this is just what happens here. This is just normal life. Sure, my my family was murdered in front of my eyes and my, my wife was brutally gang raped right in front of me, but that's kind of what happens here. And so we just move on. So we don't talk about, okay, we have a, a trauma rehabilitation program, come and get trauma counseling. We just talk about, hey, we have a program that we think you'll enjoy. It's a program to help you overcome challenges in your life, help you overcome hurdles, help you to move forward and have the best future possible. Is that something that you think you'd be interested? Come and join us and uh, come for a couple of days. And we do a group-based program so we can build community, build relationships with people, gather people together and have them be a support for one another. And then we do a lot of storytelling, a lot of games, activities, to get people laughing and helping to build that community, build trust. And then we go from there. And a couple of dates turns into them inviting their friends and family because God's meeting them and they're experiencing a lot of changes in their life. So, Julie, I want to hear a story about someone that you've gotten to minister to that, that you haven't forgotten, that you were moved by. Yeah. I, it's, which one? Um, it's really amazing. I would say that probably I've been most impacted in North Iraq uh, as I've gotten to more personally be involved there in doing counseling with women and primarily women who had escaped ISIS. There is a camp and actually we just got back from Kurdistan a few days ago and I had the opportunity to go back and visit some of the people that I had the opportunity to work with when I was there. Unbelievable, the hardship of what these women were going through. And most people who go through our program have have come out of the storm of, of the violence and trauma in their life. But this group of women, their trauma wasn't ending because they still had daughters and sons and husbands that were living that ISIS still had in captivity or they were killed and they didn't know has mm. my son or has my husband or has my daughter died, but um, such a privilege to work with them. And one woman that I was visiting this past week who again, caught, you know, when I would ask how to pray for them, they would say, it's, you don't need to pray for me. Just please pray that, my children and my husband will make it out. And 
And so that was often the prayer. So I had the privilege of meeting one of her daughters that escaped captivity. And she was saying, your prayers are what brought her home. And I have one more daughter there. Would you please pray that, that she will come home as well? So yeah, it's to share what they experience in captivity, living in fear every second of your day, not knowing if you're going to get away or if your daughter is okay. It, that level of trauma is quite impactful. And, and we saw in North Iraq things like we hadn't seen before where people um, struggled with what's called conversion disorder. And trauma was so intense that they would just be walking along and fall over mm. because of their just really deep pain and hurt. So that's a, a bit of a glimpse into that. How about for you a story that stands out? Yeah, there's thousands and thousands of stories. It gets difficult to, to remember them and to, to point to one. You know, we've had over 50,000 people have gone through our programs. But there was one that was early on that, that struck me. There was a woman in a refugee settlement in Uganda who came, who was a refugee from Congo. And she had been uh, brutally gang raped in Congo. And so her body had a lot of problems. She was discharging and constantly. And so she was experienced ridicule from the community because of the smell with that and because of uh, what was happening. Her husband left her because of that. She came to uh, Uganda and in the refugee camp, her nine-year-old daughter was uh, raped by two grown men in the, in the camp. So her daughter was mute. She wouldn't talk after that. Uh, she stopped talking completely. But she went through it. So, so she was uh, kind of checked out on life. She just thought there's no hope for the future. There's nothing for us. There's nothing for my children. So she wouldn't pay school fees for her daughter to go to school. There was just no future for them. But after going through our programs, she was so transformed and changed. She said, she said, I can at least do something. I can send my daughter to school. And so she started a little kiosk where she could sell produce and makes enough money to, to feed her family and to send her daughter to school. And then she joined some other women and she said, we want to pass this forward to other people. We don't have very much at all, but there's other people have even less than us the new refugees that are just coming in they don't have anything they don't even know where to go there's prisoners in our jail here in the um refugee camp we want to help them so they started an organization called tutapona trauma healing and they said we don't know <laughs> we don't know how to do anything but but freely we've been given so freely we're going to give this to others we want to pass it on to others so we'll take food to new refugees coming in that don't have anything. And we'll go into the hospitals, into the prisons, and we'll share this information that you've given us because they need to know it too. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've had a couple of different groups like that have, that have started that said, okay, nobody's going to pay us anything, but we're going to carry this work of Tudapon on, on our own because we've been given this freely. We, we want to pass it on to others as well. We just started actually with children doing a children's program. We've taken the principles from our uh, other grow program. And just this last week, uh, one of our staff was telling a story about a girl who had, when she was coming to the group, she was wearing her hair over one side of her face and she'd been burned through the traumatic experiences that she had. had. And one of the principles that 
that was is talked about in our children's program is courage. And the day after the participant had gotten to go through that part of it, our staff said she pulled her hair back and she was wearing it back. And she said, tell me about, you know, you wear your hair back and, and what's different. And she said, and she talked about how she was impacted by courage and, and that she can be free and, and being courageous and and living out who she is. So I think about your perspective and how difficult it must be to come back to the U S and to process what in our lives might be huge problems, but in your perspective might seem small. How have you reconciled that? Because I know that you see in people's eyes and in people's lives everywhere here, trauma still. And and how do you reconcile when there's such a discrepancy between the trauma you've seen overseas and the trauma you see here? I wondered, I wondered that very thing. And actually, when we moved back, it was because we had to evacuate. So we weren't prepared to move back. And it was a really difficult transition. But I just feel really grateful. The Lord's uh, continued to allow me the opportunity to work with trauma here. And there's a lot of trauma here. Yeah. In, in, in some ways, it's different. But in other ways, it's not. And the, and the things that we experience as we go through trauma are very similar. You know, I'm not seeing conversion disorder. I'm not, you know, seeing that response. But people are going through really hard things in America. So I know that, that there's great need here as well. Chloe here, and I am really excited to tell you guys about Hooked on Phonics. Hooked on Phonics helps your kids learn to read with their unique process of utilizing hands-on learning materials like books and stickers, and they ship it right to your home every month in combination with their digital reading app. So to start off, you get unlimited access to this reading app, and then the books and the things they ship you each month just reinforce the skills that they're building. They include discussion questions that help your child increase their reading comprehension, and their storybooks are written specifically to build your child's confidence. So we've partnered with Hooked on Phonics, and they're offering your first month for just $1. And y'all, I think I've told you a few times, but I have an incoming kindergartner. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I love any chance I get to sit down with Gray to help him learn. And I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand and say that I'm not the greatest at coming up with activities. So I love how Hooked on Phonics has made it easy for me to interact with him, to help him grow and learn and learn to read this summer before he goes to kindergarten. And I know you guys are going to love it too. So give your child the confidence that reading brings with Hooked on Phonics. To get your first month for just $1, go to hookedonphonics.com slash made for this. That's just $1 for your first month by going to hookedonphonics.com slash made for this. And now let's get back to Jenny and the Gaties. Let's talk about the gospel and how that plays a role in the content that you all provide for people. How have you seen the gospel bring healing? Yeah, it, as a Christ-centered organization and as you know, uh, people who love Jesus Christ and who founded this on that uh, idea that Christ is the answer, it, it, it really has been a, quite a journey for us of uh, saying, okay, how can we share the truth of the gospel, but also deal with and, and work with meeting the practical, tangible needs that people have at this moment. And in a place like Uganda, it 
felt a bit easier because Uganda is quite open to Christianity. But then this idea of moving into other countries that maybe are not quite as friendly to the gospel and recognizing that, yes, this is their central need as Jesus Christ. But for us to stand on a street corner and, you know, start yelling and preaching about that is maybe not the, the best approach to, to sharing that truth with people. And we've really found that as, as people experience the love of Jesus Christ through this, and in a place like Iraq, where, where people are leaving and organizations are leaving and we're coming in with the gospel, people are so uh, drawn to that and so fascinated by that. that. Why would you come to a place like this? Why would you leave America and come here when we want to leave and find safety and security somewhere else. And the fact that safety and security is not our first and foremost desire, but really loving Jesus and demonstrating that to them. And then through the practical application of the program, there's uh, one of the ways that we talk about uh, healing in our lives. One of the things that we need is an understanding that God is a God who loves and cares for me specifically. He's not just a God that's over everything. He's not just a God of the universe. He's a God of who knows me better than I know myself. Uh, and he's a God who loves me. He's not, and so that idea is often transformational because in areas where they have an understanding of God, but a God of wrath and a God of judgment and a God of who's just waiting for me to mess up. And at the first sign that I screw up, he's just going to pound me. And in fact, the trauma that I experienced is probably because I did something wrong and God was punishing me. But instead, if we can talk about this idea that God is a God of love and God loves you just where you are right where you're at. And so we talk about the idea of the good shepherd and God being the good shepherd who wants to take us into green pastures and who wants to protect us. And then in the midst of the pain and the trauma that we've experienced, that God was right there with us in the midst of that. And so that's often sort of the, the catalyst, the launching point into talking about Jesus and into sharing about the love of Jesus is this idea of God being our Father, our Heavenly Father, and the Good Shepherd who watches over us, cares for us, and who loves us, who loves me. Doesn't just love the whole world. He loves me. Another big piece of, uh, of our work is, is focus on forgiveness. And it's, it's incredible. I, I was always blown away in Uganda when you when you're hearing stories of, and, and part of their process was, you know, looking at that and, and how, who was part of their trauma, you know, and understanding how Jesus forgave us. And, and there's so many stories about that from his word and big things. But you, we would hear these people talk about how then in walking out these principles, forgiving the person who, you know, burned their daughter. Mm. And so many participants have, have gone to the person that mm. had wounded them severely and had conversations and talked about forgiveness and, and reconciling with them. And, you know, and we coming from a perspective from America and just this such easy, easy to offend mentality and, and seeing how people are always bitter about this person doing that or cutting me off on the freeway. 
And then you, you hear about the depth of forgiveness there. But that is such a key principle for our participants and in, in watching God move through that. Why is that so essential? It's so essential because it's where we find freedom. If we are hanging on to bitterness and resentment about our circumstances and what has happened to us, we're not going to be free to know the peace of God and the freedom that he offers. There are people listening right now that knowingly and perhaps unknowingly have trauma in their lives that they are dealing with. You know, maybe they are just short with their kids regularly and that's how it's coming out. Or maybe it's severe enough where there's, it's really bondage for them. What would you say to them is the first step of pursuing healing? I would say that the first step is really this idea of, of seeing God as a God who loves me and cares about me. I think it starts there. Now, oftentimes people, you know, when trauma occurs in our life, people have questions for God. They say, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I believe in God and I've got some questions for you, God. Like, why did this have to happen? And that's okay. I think we need to give ourselves permission to have that as a starting place to say, I might have questions for God. I might not understand right now. I might not feel right now that God loves me and cares for me. But starting there, giving ourselves permission to ask those questions of God, ask those questions of ourselves, uh, bring trusted people around us that we can process some of those questions with. We're getting to the point where then we can see and understand and feel that there is a God who loves me uh, is often the first step. And then, and then oftentimes that then can begin a process where we start looking outside of ourselves. You know, oftentimes when we're hurt and we're traumatized, we, we look inward and we start pulling in and we start looking back to the pain and the hurt and saying, I need to resolve that. And rather than looking at, okay, I need to go back and fix that looking outward and saying, okay, what are some things that I am grateful for in my life? And start looking at those things a bit. Even though I have a lot of this pain and this hurt, there are areas in my life that I, I have, can be grateful for. I can see God's provision. I can see God's blessing. And then how can I demonstrate some kindness to other people? It can be easy to focus on, okay, I need this and I need this and I need somebody to do this for me. But how can I look outside and say, who is hurting and is there something that I, some way that I can demonstrate kindness to this person over here and ultimately um, bringing us to a place where we can then start that healing for ourselves. And then as Julie talked about that, that piece of forgiveness is extremely important. And are there, are there people that I need to forgive? And often it's difficult to just do that on our own. We need to maybe have help from somebody to get to that point where we can forgive but then learning to forgive others, I think, is often a crucial step in this process. What you're saying is the Bible and you're a psychotherapist. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised and I thought different words would come out of your mouth because of your training. And yet you are saying what I believe you're saying is that this actually works. Like this is part of what heals our brains. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that surprised because I'm a Christian and I've done a lot of work in this area, but I promise you this is revolutionary for people because everybody thinks there's some secret 
to healing that's, you know, out there in the world somewhere, but it's in our Bibles. That's right. It is. But in, as I was talking about earlier, our desire is to do this, do mental health and psychosocial support at the highest standard of professional practice. So yes, this is all based on the Bible, but it's also backed up in science as well. That's amazing. A lot of clinical trials that are out there and a lot of information in the published literature that, that supports all of these areas that we're talking about. So yes, our desire is to, is to glorify Christ magnify his great name in all that we do and say, and we want people to experience Christ for sure. But it's amazing that the highest standard of professional practice in the area of mental health coincides with that. And it's all backed up by science as well. Oh, and that gives me chill bumps because God built our brains and he knows the best way for us to heal. And the things he calls us to like turn the other cheek and forgive your enemy, all of those things feel impossible and supernatural and we need the power and the strength of God to do it. But it's also for our healing. It's also for our freedom. And that's what science is proving, which is so powerful. I just, I was just going to say, you know, in, in knowing that God cares for us, it can be just a, a blanket statement that maybe people can say, yeah, God cares for me, but like he promises to be near the brokenhearted. He he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And we have Isaiah 61 where, and he's a just God. And when we come to him and, and we're saying, Lord, like this happened to me and this happened to me and this happened to me and this was sin against me. Like he, he cares about that and he doesn't want, it, it was not, it's not his desire that these traumatic, you know, occurrences against us from other humans happens. Mm, that's good. That's right. And he will hold them account. And as we, you know, I think that forgiveness, we can kind of, again, think that it's like this mm. trite, I just have to like say, I forgive them and everything's going to be okay. And that's not how we understand forgiveness. Forgiveness is about, you know, in my opinion, bringing these things before this, the, the Lord who, who cares about his son or daughter and what they've gone through and cares that, that they were hurt in this way. And, and we're saying, God, I, I'm bringing these things to you. And, and this is the cost of this to my life. Mm. And would you hold them to account? <laughs> and, and I know that you're perfect in your love and you're perfect in your justice and you, and you won't be too harsh and you won't be too lenient. And would you hold them to account so that I don't have to anymore? I don't have to hold them account accountable anymore to, mm. to me. And so I am entrusting this to you, Jesus, to do this perfectly. And, and I know that in that, in saying I can forgive them, knowing that you're going to, you're going to take care of this on my behalf. And I can walk away at peace knowing you're going to do that. You know, you know, Isaiah 61. I'm just going to read some of it here. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all, you know, we have that sentence and then we have to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They're going to be called mm. righteousness. This is what he does through forgiveness. And, and 
in his coming and being with the brokenhearted. Mm. Will you, Julie, pray for the person listening that is crying right now from those words and just aching to be healed? Mm. Yes, absolutely. Heavenly Father, God, we, we praise you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. We praise you, Jesus, for tearing that curtain at your death that once separated us from your presence, going into your presence freely. We praise you that we can go into your presence and that you love us and you have the very best in mind for us. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood that speaks a better word and what you did on the cross for us so that we can know freedom, true freedom. We thank you, Holy Spirit, We praise you that you are with us and that you fill us and that you counsel us and you comfort us and you heal us. And God, I just pray for each one who's listening right now, Lord, that you would meet them, minister to whatever it is that's um, feeling overwhelming and difficult in this season. God, I pray that you would walk them into freedom and hope and peace. That's a promise of yours, God. You are so happy to do that. That is your will. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just just show them the way to that and walk them forward in that, Lord. We love you. We just pray you minister mightily to those that are hurting. We ask this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Before you go, I want to make sure that you know how to connect with Carla and Julie if you want to learn more about their work in the Middle East and in Africa. You can go to tutapona.com, T-U-T-A-P-O-N-A.com, and we will make sure to put all of their info, the way you can connect with them in the show notes so you can learn more. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast.